I'm Chief Christy Giuseppe from WhatCopsWatch.com, and you're listening to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. S.H.I.E.L.D. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. When you're sick, finding out what's wrong and then finding a way to feel better is always a priority. What happens when what ails others will also ail you? And if you don't help out with the effort in general... Everyone dies. It's a tale as old as time, but inside this episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's the centerpiece that ties together all of our characters, the course of, apparently, this entire season of our program, and provides the canvas for all kinds of cool kickassery painting. It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, Season 6, Episode 5, The Other Thing. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. The Predator 2 Perspective Review. Ah, real tales of Predator. Rather than the shtick that we've gotten for the last decade and a half. <laughs> Everyone remembers the original film, Predator. Do you remember Predator? I remember Predator. I went up against <laughs> it and I, I told everybody to get to the chopper. That was a horrible Arnold. I'm sorry. Thank you for the Chapa reference. That's great. <laughs> anyway, everyone knows you can go and listen to our perspective review of the original Predator over at twoguystalking.com forward slash Predator. You also know that you can go and listen to our Predators perspective review over at twoguystalking.com forward slash Predators with an S. Not a bad entry. I actually, I, I didn't believe that Adrian, Adrian Brody could actually pull off being I, a badass, I'm and totally this movie you. proved it. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Yeah. And I'm also glad that it was a one shot. I, hmm. I, what we got there was a great, it was a great entree. Mm-hmm. And then just get the hell out of it Dodge. Was nice, it was nice. Uh, it was another dip, the dip the toe into the the mythos of the Predator universe, and it was it was yeah. it was a fun movie. It was good. What we're now going to go back to, and we've been talking about this for, geez, I think since I met you, it's is, been a while. Yeah, yeah, is the in fact I think we even talked about it before. I met you mm. because I had met the guy that we're going to get to sit in with us. Our Wy- special guest White host. Weed. Yeah. Yes. Uh, who, for those that don't know, actually was one of the Predators in Predator 2, who's going to sit in with us to review that film, which yeah. is going to be a, a wonderful perspective review. It's going to give all kinds of behind-the-scenes insight and then also literally what it looked like 
through the eyes of a Predator mask. Mm -hmm. It's coming up inside the Predator 2 perspective review that we're going to capture this month. We should have that released within the next month, and I can't wait to deliver it to everybody. That's the Predator 2 perspective review. The Shawshank Redemption perspective review. This is something that I can remember talking about probably when we were in concepting two guys talking. Oh, wow. Because Shawshank Redemption, for those that don't know the history of Shawshank in general, it was a failure in the box office. It was, it was mm-hmm. not a giant popular movie at, at the onset. However, after DVD, Blu-ray, and then television presentation sales, it's exploded. And right. it has become an icon of movie making. One of my things that I love about the Shawshank Redemption is the fact that it's one of, it's based off of one of Stephen King's short stories, mm-hmm. well, n- novellas, and it's one of his few non-horror-based stories. Yeah. And the transfer from story to to film is absolutely wonderful. Yeah, it that and and Stand by Me, I think probably are up there mm-hmm. just as as pinnacle movie making, as well as pinnacle storytelling. Yeah. And that's why we're going back to it for the perspective review. However, inside of the perspective review, we're going to have a couple of wonderful special guests. The first is Anthony from the Tear Talk podcast. Tear Talk podcast is a podcast specifically devoted to talking about all things corrections, ah. i.e. prisons and the whole awesomeness that it is, that are prisons. But then also we have the production designer from Shawshank Redemption, an old friend of the original 24 podcast, which launched the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network, Joseph Hodges. And I can't tell you how excited I am to once again have Joseph inside of the virtual halls of Two Guys Talking, Mm. because for those that haven't experienced any of Joseph's podcasts, they are electric, they are always information-filled, and the storytelling that Joseph is able to offer inside of anything that we do is always illuminating. And it's perfect that he's going to be sitting in on the Shawshank Redemption Perspective Review podcast. Again, both of those Perspective Review podcasts are coming up soon, and we can't wait to deliver them for you. If you want to stay on the cusp of everything that's coming out for the Perspective Review series, be sure to check out PerspectiveReviews.com. Enough housekeeping. It's time to dig in deep into The Other Thing. Our review of Season 6, Episode 5, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu Streaming. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Opening with Tahiti. This is something that you only just recently brought up and I hadn't thought about, but you're absolutely right of the things Phil Coulson would never want to remember, as well as Agent May not wanting to remember, especially after the detailed briefing of exactly what Tahiti is. I guess they're not on Tahiti. Probably they're some the, other tropical yeah, paradise right. that's not Tahiti. <laughs> right. Probably not even that. close to Tahiti. Yeah. What intermixed inside of this episode are some wonderful scenes that I find electric. And the reason I find them electric is because there's so little talking. There's all kinds of space that's given to both of them Mm -hmm. to just have a relationship that you get to see unfolding and and interacting and folding in on each other. And I don't usually get super fluffy on direction and stuff, especially when there's a romance or a, a detailed loving relationship that's involved inside of something like this. Yeah. 
but it's showcased. It's perfectly showcased. And then the 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 folding in over what is actually happening versus what you see inside of the other uh, majestic, beautiful environment and the comparison between the two. The front end of this episode I thought was great, but then the pushing through the entire episode with that yeah. is all really, really good. It's something that flows through. We've talked about it on other programs we've done through the network. We are big fans of flashback when flashback is done well. Mm. Mm. But where this is concerned, this is fractured flashback, yeah. which is usually a huge nightmare. nightmare. Yes. Giant nightmare. A huge no-no because it's never done well. Right. The most recent thing I've seen that had fractured flashback that didn't really work all that well for me, the Captain Marvel film. Yeah, I was going to did go not too. did not work for me. Yeah. It it could it could have been a lot better for me. Yeah, but with this episode, strangely enough, there is this beautiful balance mm-hmm. that they do, and it's it it's all a part of the editing of the show, and it's all a part of the pacing of the show, mm-hmm. and it blends together well. It's the ability to have some contrast. Because there you're you absolutely yes, yes. right. This could be the the alien ship based episode that is so gritty and action packed and punching and alien explody and, yep, and yep. Uh, absolutely. But then you dance this in, you weave it in like another piece of another piece of cloth that's woven into this this dress that you've got on. The softer it's, side of Agent May. Yeah, it, it's really... And their relationship. Mm-hmm. Because you and I can sit and wax philosophic about what their relationship actually was during Phil's latter days yeah. inside of Well, here Islandville. it is. And here we it don't, is. We don't have to wax philosophic right. because now we get to see it. It's, it's really well done and well presented. And again, a, a total tip of the hat to this episode's director. <laughs> Lou Diamond... Phillips, I traditionally almost always miss out what's being developed inside of the credits inside of every episode mm. because I'm typing feverishly to try and get the notes ready to take in content and ideas that come out of <laughs> right. my brain. But inside of this one, I recognized a very familiar set of words that were on the screen that just flashed by quickly, and I did my 10-second review back inside of Hulu, and guess what? It's Lou Diamond Phillips yeah. that's directing this episode. I don't know about you guys, but I think I love at least pieces of every single Lou Diamond Phillips representation that he's ever done. Mm-hmm. Even the shows that are reasonably crapo, I, I, there's still something inside of it that I do like. What I really like is whenever he's done anything behind the scenes, whether he's appeared on a television show talking about the directing of Blah or the acting of Blah. He's, he's very, very good at detailing what he experienced and then sharing that experience with other people. He's very, very good at that. One of the things you got to love about actors, especially actors that have a long-standing career, is eventually they will get the bug, yeah. the itch, mm-hmm. for directing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it works out for them, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it actually works better for them, and they stick behind the camera. Yeah. For quite a while. Yeah. Before we we started the episode, I actually went into IMDb and looked back. And Lou Diamond Phillips hasn't directed a lot. It's only been 10 things over the course of his career. Mm -hmm. And they've all been pretty well spread out. But everything that he's directed, at least in the uh, the 2000s especially, has been 
quality stuff. Yeah. I mean, he directed an episode of Longmire, mm -hmm. which is a great show that mm -hmm. he was on. He directed an episode of Fear the Walking Dead, which for me is the superior show to The Walking Dead. Mm. And then now he's he's directed an episode of Agents of Shield. Mm -hmm. I mean, and and it's a great episode. Yeah, oh, and it's super diverse too. That I think what I find most about this episode is that there is not one note going on here at all, and mm. I, I think that's what's propelled probably the entire season. Mm. And it, it's not something that we've talked about. I don't think either this entire season is that we can watch one episode of an, an Agents of Shield episode, and it not be that one umber hulking. Now it's in an alien ship and all kinds of explody aliens episode. We're five episodes in and we don't have anything like that at all. Yeah. And I think it's probably specifically designed that way because of the different directors that we have and the skill sets that they bring specifically. Yeah. yeah. And it's really it's really appreciated. <laughs> Keeping a lid on Snowflake. I think what I love about what they've developed with Snowflake is that you obviously I mean since inception. She's the one that, like, you don't know when she's going to erupt, but you don't want to be anywhere near her when something bad goes down like that. And it's fun to watch all of the characters, including the ones that don't know her, try and get a handle on what happens with and about her inside of this series. This episode in particular, I think, has a, a bunch of that. I don't know if there is getting a handle <laughs> on Snowflake. Uh, I mean, Sarge seems to know just what to say he, he seems to have the ability to try to rein her in slightly or at least get her focused on the task at hand yeah but left to her own device i think she would just murder anybody and everybody that she would come across yeah, because i agree oh everybody has to become a beautiful butterfly yeah she reminds me of the you know the, i guess the aughts inception of that character that was in the third diehard film with the with the short blonde hair and the the uh, tied in a bow in front of her tan shirt with the slitty knives and stuff. Gruber's gal pal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ex except this one talks. Well, yes. And endlessly. Very chatty. Yeah. She is. <laughs> Snowflake is very chatty. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's really well put. This entire episode is a great a great platform for Snowflake and the interaction with Snowflake inside this episode. <laughs> Enoch is in drunken woeful mode. I'm glad we got done with this quick, but it was fun to watch while it lasted. I like watching Enoch be semi-human, yeah, but be mechanically challenged semi-human. And it it happens a lot in this episode. Mm -hmm. There's there's <laughs> pun intended. There's a lot of gears turning <laughs> inside Enoch's brain. Yeah. During the course of this episode, uh, but here at the beginning, he's still kind of in that, oh, whoa, I've been decommissioned. What good am I? My bestie has just been taken from us. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Yeah. The other thing that happens inside this episode with Enoch that I really appreciate is you can see, again, the gears churning, but you can see him playing the long game. And what's cool about it is we can't possibly understand what his long game is. Right. We, we Not only do we hit not have any idea of what the hell is actually going on, yeah. still, <laughs> even after the episode's done, yeah. but we don't have any idea what he is actually thinking and what, you know, what tumblers is he trying to put in place so that eventually the combination that's being spun throughout the episodes and season will equal blah. Mm. We don't have any idea. Yeah. And I like that a lot. It makes, it makes him that continually mysterious... 
sprinkling on the cool extra seasoning that you don't actually know how it makes it better, but it's going to be better. Because of the things that he does during the episode, you kind of want to label him as, oh, well, way to go, Enoch, you're a traitor. Way to go, Enoch. You're not thinking of the team. You're not thinking of your friend. He's put in a, a really bad situation because he has to, what do I do? Do I protect my friend or do I protect my people? Mm -hmm. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a big thing. A lot of people would want to just throw a label. Okay. Well, uh, bad guy now, because he's going to, he's going to follow his people, but the long game, like you said, we can't conceive his long game because his long game is, is millennium. I'm not going to throw a label on Enoch. Mm -hmm. I'm going to wait and see. Mm -hmm. I think Enoch will uh, will surprise us. Yeah. Big things appearing through the anomaly. Wow. Again, we talk about special effects and how they're effectively used inside of this program regularly. And this is another one where it's not the, and here goes our budget out the window. Right. But it's very, very good. And it's all... It's all spectacular looking. There's nothing inside of this episode that is special effects based that doesn't look appropriately placed or looks cheap. Mm. And I really appreciate that. It, it, th this is a show that while on the laurels of Marvel, without question, mm -hmm. is still a show that is on television, right. that is streamed, yes, but has really great special effects. And all of this... The, all of the ships coming through the anomaly, every single piece of that is absolutely stone-cold professional. It, it's really well done. I, I like it because it's also, it's not exactly how we've seen space travel, yeah. like in the uh, the Guardians of the Galaxies films. We've, we've seen how ships travel, and mm -hmm. it's kind of like a grid where there's a gate that you jump through, and there's a whole bunch of them yeah. spread out all yeah. over the they universe. They even use the word jump inside of this episode. Right, right. But uh, it's something different. I like it's, that. It's, it's something just a little bit different, but harkens to what they do in the cinematic universe, mm -hmm. which this is supposed to be a part of. So, so I like the fact that we've kept it close, but it's its own distinct thing. Yeah. The peril of losing comic book show fans. Now, I've talked to four or five people over the course of the last three or four weeks, I think. I think it was right after I'd, I populated our Facebook presence, which, by the way, you can go over to at facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. And I was asking people, so what do you think of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this season? Those four or five people said they're not following it anymore. Hmm. And I thought to myself, okay, well, you know, all of the people that I've just talked to, they're pretty busy. I mean, I get it. You know, life happens, blah. And I said, so what's the deal? You know, you going to go back to it or... Like, look, look, what happened? Every single one of them at some point told me it got too spacey. And they're not talking about this season. They're talking about previous seasons. They're not talking about even last season or this season. They're talking about previous seasons. And so at some point when it got too spacey, that's the word from a couple of them. When it got too spacey, they bailed. And it's not because they didn't like it. It's just that it didn't hold the interest that they'd previously had with the show. And I, I think that's a very interesting tether. I, I know that the reason I watch it regularly and don't miss it is because we have a weekly review podcast. Oh, yeah. But I, I, I'd still be watching it if we weren't doing this yeah, podcast. Yeah, and it made me wonder, I wonder how many other people, because it's gotten spacey and way more existential than just, hey, look, it's a bunch of comic book characters that are the TV version. Because that's not what this show is anymore. It, it's not. No, it's it's no. way more than that. And 
I think to and, and it might have it might have actually been to compete with the cinematic universe you would have to break away from just okay so here we are we're in LA and we're investigating where things that are going on in LA okay now we spread it out okay here we are in the United States we're investigating things that are going weird in the United States all right well then you expect you expand it a little bit more here we are we're taking care of the world we're keeping an eye on it and we're going to go and investigate things all over the world all right well the movies got bigger than just that oh yeah for people who maybe pick and choose their film because and very similar to the people that you've talked to about are you watching the show oh you dropped off there are people that only watch specific marvel films they do not watch them all actually there was a lot of people who were asking me and some of my friends questions like, so what movies do I need to watch to be able to go and see Endgame? Yeah. Uh, well, all of them. Yeah. Technically, it, you kind of needed it, to see all of them to 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 get the yeah. gravitas the flavor, of what it was. The flavor. To comprehend the flavor, I right. agree. Some people just don't care for the space stuff. Mm-hmm. I know people that still have not watched any of the Guardian stuff mm-hmm. because oh, I don't do I don't do space sci-fi. Oh, okay, fine. You know, you're, you're missing gonna out. Hate, well, you're going to hate yourself some Infinity War and Endgame. Then. Right, Jesus, right. You're going you're going to miss out. It's yeah. exactly it is all space. And I can understand how you go from you know, your locally based team of investigating weird things to now we're traveling the stars. And and we we did start traveling the stars back in season 3 mm-hmm. with the monolith and mm-hmm. and Gemma stuck on dust world mm-hmm. and stuff like that so mm-hmm. i mean we've 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 been spacey before mm-hmm. but i think we we needed to oh, the yeah. show the show needed to expand mm-hmm. we needed to expand in space we needed to expand into magic and that's exactly what the ghostwriter story pod did for us mm-hmm. uh, we delved deep into technology i find that as we move forward the show keeps its fingers in all the right pies of the different genres because agents of shield can fit into any genre within this nice little comic book show on tv i think that's what i get most from the show is that it it can be slipped in as a a, the perfect slip cover for any pillow Mm -hmm. it 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 covers everything and the way that they've woven the characters from phil colson from previous movies into developing the team into developing people that have powers, into developing this wonderful tapestry of storytelling. Yeah, all of that weaves in perfectly, and I, that's that's why I'm saddened when somebody says it's just it's too spacey for me. And you know when I think it started? It started when Phil Coulson wakes up and he's on board a ship, and it makes no sense at all, which I do agree with. Mm-hmm. It, but the intention when they said, "Hey, look, it's Phil Coulson in space." The intention there was that hopefully you would then follow the story into space. Right. And if you pulled the ripcord then, I totally get it. But man, you've missed out. There's so much great storytelling going on here with some real craft. It's not gobbledygook. It's not accidental storytelling. It's all very, very deliberate and woven really, really well. An entire case of knives and then time to get into it. Wow. This is cool. They're, they're almost like surgical instruments, each with a function and purpose, but they all have the same purpose. So <laughs> right. It's right. essentially like tainted scalpels that all do exactly the same thing, and here's an entire case of them. And it looks really, really cool. 
This is it's it's one of those things you see inside of the snapshot that is instantly comic booky. You go look, yeah. look at this case of blue glistening knives. What the hell is that? That's exactly what you get here, and it's really well done. Well, it also sets up the fake out because this scene makes you feel like Sarge is going to interrogate May, mm. and it's well not going to be pleasant. Yeah. But instead, yeah. as the episode progresses, we we realize that that it is an interrogation mm-hmm. on both sides, but it's leading to something even more important. Enoch's boss comes a knocking. This is very cool. I really like what they've done with this character, and we've only known her for what seven minutes when we're done with this episode. Right, right. And I love everything that I see here. Everything from Inception, where she comes stalking through the the smoky the smoky portal, to everything that she says, to all the concepts. What I also love is just the very deliberate. She's essentially delivering Enoch style discussion but it's her mm. and it's very well done it's all very matter of fact there's it's it's not robot intonation but it's very deliberate and it's purposeful period right. and I, I like it it's really well delivered finally we're we're getting a broader scope of the chronicoms yeah and, and they're f- not all bald white men well yeah yeah they That's all the don't look they all don't look the same mm-hmm. although i i was hoping that I mean, I know why Enoch looks human. He's supposed to be the Chronicom that's recording stuff that goes on on Earth. This isn't All where right. you're going to tell me you want like seven arms and three heads. I'm not stuff, asking for seven arms and three heads, but okay. I am asking for a little <laughs> diversity in alieness. So you need the bump on the. They on the, all on look the nose human. Ridge. They really, the they literally the are human. They are all human wearing stylish space Ren fair clothes. <laughs> that's all they are. <laughs> I love it when you it, say space run fair. That makes at my least day. at least when we were on Kitson, there was a great it was a plethora of alien races right. and makeup that made everybody look just a little bit different. So you're telling me that all Chronicoms, including the hunters, they all look human. I, I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. I if I close my eyes and just listen to it, then it's fine. I can pretend that they look just a little bit different. But this was a little bit of an annoyance for me. I, totally, I was hoping for more. I totally get it. That's actually where we ask you, the audience. Do we need more three-headed, eight-armed aliens, or don't we? Or, you know, it, maybe some pigmentation in the eyes, or maybe some larger ears. It, <laughs> worked, for, it worked for the Ferengi. Something different, right? <laughs> something so, different. Something different. Let us know what you think by going to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Chime in on one of the threads that's there, or start your own and let us know what you think. Mention of a plague, devastation, and a chronicom planet destroyed. This was all wonderful stuff. This also is another perfect sample of incredible exposition dumped onto an audience that does not bore. Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you the magic that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has created now over six seasons, where I'm not kidding. There, It's like all of us are standing underneath this this giant expel port, and they go, and they flip this switch and dump exposition on us. And yeah. never, ever do I feel like, oh, now it's time to dump exposition on us. I never feel that at all because of the way it's delivered. Because of the way that it's delivered, it's 
never a slog to get through. Yeah. Normally, you would get the info dump, and it would feel like somebody's just dumping hot garbage on top of you. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. There's better way to deliver this. Where this show is concerned, it's like you're you're laying underneath one of those automated ice cream dispensers, <laughs> and they're just le- and it's just oh, and then fudge. Give it to me. And now, now the hot fudge. Oh, and now the sprinkles. Oh. More importantly, yes. more importantly, after the sprinkles and the fudge and the ice cream's delivered, you then have an excellent snapshot of exactly what's going on. Yes, at least enough to get the storytelling propelled. Mm-hmm. It's it's all it's wonderfully delicious. May I have some more? Atara is seeking time travel. This was the only bump in the entire episode that I had. And it's not because, uh, oh, good, we're looking for time travel again. It's because, wait a second. So how many times exactly are we going to develop time travel inside of this series so that it saves the day and season? Now, the cool part is I know that they're going to do something extraordinarily more than that right? to pull off the season. It's the way that the show is written, and I... I have absolutely no reason to think that, oh, they're going to come up with grabbing some whales and jumping in a starship and going around (laughs) the sun and it's going to be all done. That's not what's going to happen here. There's going to be something really nice and ornate that's developed. But this was the only time in the episode where I go, okay, so they need fits to develop time travel. Okay. Didn't we already do this last season? Yeah. And And we did. We we did do time travel last season Mm -hmm. and it was done well. Super effectively. Right. Where this is concerned, I'm hoping that this is kind of the the catalyst of trying to come up with another solution. I don't think we're going to use time travel again for fixing things. I, I don't think Fitz can actually do it. I, I really don't. I mean, we we had to use an ancient, mysterious monolith to travel through time the last time, mm-hmm. and that's gone. It's 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 over with. But the thing that that struck me is, did what happened to the Chronicom planet? Is that the same thing that Sarge and his people have been traveling the galaxies trying to stop? Well, Are they connected? I think we're going to talk more about that as we get into what's going on here. Ah. Because there's a bunch that I thought might make a wonderful tether to something else that happened inside of the Marvel Universe. We'll mm. get to it. The allure of Sarge slash not Coulson. Yet another spin back to The Shield. It wouldn't be an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast if I didn't bring up The Shield, a show that everybody should have watched when it was on FX and can now be watched on, I think, both now, Hulu and Amazon Prime. Anyway, the allure of what's being delivered here by Clark Gregg is that Clark Gregg is delivering a character that you're not supposed to like. Right. But he looks just like a dude that we all love. Mm Mm-hmm. And now they're starting to turn the dial on whether or not what they're doing is nefarious or not. And that drift in between all of those interesting clouds makes for a very alluring, not Coulson. Right, right. This first scene where they're trying to showcase the, uh, we're just trying to fix something, as opposed to, it's time to destroy this planet. That is the that is the first turning of the dial that emits a different cloud than what you've seen previously. Right. And then there's a couple of other hands that insert itself into that scene where now they're twisting all kinds of different knobs and attenuation for what Sarge and his crew are actually doing. And I think it's terribly effective in this episode. In our prelude to this episode, I actually mentioned to you that 
inside of just about every good, solid role-play gaming scenario and or module that you could buy back in the day, there was an inclusion inside of the storytelling where you know that X is bad. However, X that is bad is in charge of something that you then have to ally with them Mm -hmm. to try and foster along so that everybody can benefit and everybody doesn't die. And so are you going to do it or aren't you? And you could always choose not. It never ended up well inside of the role-playing. The cool part is that you always had your character sheets and an eraser so that you could grab some more dice and figure it out later. Well, yeah. That's exactly what's happening here. Where, hey, look, it's a it's a crew of bad people. They're doing bad and nefarious things. Look, they're murdering people. Oh, contraire, mon frere. There's something else that's going on here. Right, right. Oh, wait a second. What is this? Oh, wait a minute. And you grab your Sherlock Holmes magnifying glass and put on the cap and you're like wait a minute hold on a second and then they start delivering more and more information and as this episode unfolds you start getting more and more look through the magnifying glass of what exactly is going on inside of the episode yeah yeah and i love it i absolutely love it i alluded to the possibility of this in our previous episode that the group might be doing something good but just their methods were horribly bad Mm -hmm. And to find out that, yes, they are hunting down things that will destroy planets, can and have destroyed planets. Great. Wonderful. But it looks like you employ nothing but psychos. That and people that have absolutely no no perception or perspective on consequence. Right. Their, their moral compass is definitely not pointing yeah, true or, north. Or missing. <laughs> or, yeah, or, or missing, missing completely. Snowflake yes. doesn't have one, right? Yeah, well, no. well, let's be clear. There's, there's not a moral compass at all, right? And but it makes the X factor of the storytelling wonderful. It's the piece that would definitively be inside of role play gaming if this was unfolding as a story being told by a dungeon master. Yeah. it's exactly. It's all there. Maze initiation from zero to a thousand miles an hour in seconds. This is just spectacular. The people that craft all of the fight scenes for this show, in particular one later on that we're going to talk about, yeah. are spectacular. They're well-filmed. The pacing is incredibly well done. We know that May is now up against this alien zombified bird-infected yeah, creature We thing, know what blah. she's in store for. She has no idea. Right, and it's all delivered that way, too. Yeah. She has abs- Every time that the camera pans to her, she has no idea what's going on, and she knows she's just got to turn on the kick-assery, period. And it shows. It totally shows throughout the entire fight scene. Mm-hmm. And again, my total kudos to everybody that develops the fight choreography inside the show. That scene alone inside of this episode was magnificent inside of storytelling. It was really well done. The fight choreography, for especially for a show like this, and I'll keep it to be, being specific to a show like this, it's as important as your visual and digital effects. I agree. It's the only way you're going to get your audience to buy into this fantastical world that we're in. It's the only way. Yeah. If the effects look bad, people are going to like, well, that really looked freaking cheesy. Time, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if the fight scenes look bad, it was like, oh, well, there you can tell where the stunt double is. There, Oh, here comes another haymaker. Yeah, look, a cowboy punch. Yeah, awesome. it's, yeah. it's it, it, where this show is concerned. And I, I can't remember a, a time when it wasn't quality. 
You know? I, I can't either. It's, so, it would have been early. If yeah, it was. I mean, and, maybe and somewhere the, the in cool season one. We, the cool part is that we would have mentioned it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and I just I can't remember it. And the, again, this the the pinnacle of what happens at the end of this takes this fight choreography from zero to a thousand in seconds. Yeah. It's amazing. Not the inverted walk of the Exorcist. There's a piece inside of the fight choreography that where the guy cool. bridges up and then begins advancing towards. <laughs> towards May inside of the Exorcist walk, and it's it's as creepy with a white tall dude as it is with this green skewed little girl yeah. coming down the stairs. It's it's absolutely horrible. Well, you can also look, you can tell the look on May's face when it happens too. <laughs> yeah, it's that whole WTF moment. Yeah, and I was I was right there with her because I'm like, holy crap! Yeah, no, it was it was spectacular. And again, it's it's one of the many many scenes inside of this episode that made me. Hit the review, uh, rewind ten seconds button a couple of times because mm. it's that entertaining. It's very well done. Easily one of the most horrific scenes ever seen. Yes, I am referring to when the guy that not only gets shot in the head just whoops. We forgot to mention that inside of the scene, by the way. Uh, the guy gets shot in the head, falls to the ground. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, but the headshot pales in comparison to what happens to him later <laughs> oh, without on. Without question. So I, I can understand it, why we forgot to mention yeah, it. Yeah, and it's a giant headshot. The, the, the yeah. headshot that occurs, there's blood all over Don't the wall. Don't worry, sir. Everything's going to be okay. Bang. Done. Oh, and, and wow. And you're like, whoa, that went to a million miles an hour. Oh, yeah. wait a second. It's not even started yet. And we get to the end of the scene, and as the creature not only falls to the ground and begins undulating and, and jerking around, it then begins to crystallize. And I'm telling you, that scene is more horrific than a, a, a bunch of things that I've ever seen inside of media, just watching it. Mm. The only reason it wasn't horrific is because it's not bloody. They, yeah. They've, they've stretched and made it kind of yellow, gray, mm-hmm. the, the purple, sinew. There's, there's yeah. purples, there's blacks, there's no bright red blood. Yeah, and that's the only reason why something else that you might have seen, and I'm talking about anywhere, mm-hmm. might have been more horrific than this scene. But this scene is horrific. It's like they go, okay, what's, what could possibly be more horrific to make this scene more horrific? Okay, well, how about every single limb stretches and it's all this dangly, sinewy, rubbery, springy-looking stuff. Yeah, that's a great idea. Okay, write that shit. And uh, how about we have these giant stone things that come out of his torso and head? Mm, okay, that sounds pretty cool. How about we have his uh, his head pops like a zit and then becomes some crystalline structure? Okay, yeah, write that shit too. And it's like they didn't stop for half an hour of coming up with cool, how do we make this more horrific scene, scene-ness, and then they put it in the camera. It's tremendous. Yep. It is It is such a scene. Benson's night off moment. The only reason I wrote it as Benson's night off moment is that I wanted to make sure that people understand that I am still on the Benson train. Mm-hmm. But that he went from, I think I'm done, I need a night off, to and now it's time to get back to work so quickly. Eh. It might have been the only other bump in the episode that I had. Are you done and you need a break or are you not done and you need a break? And I don't think Mac delivered anything that would have made him go, you know what? I'm going back to work. I didn't feel that. Uh, well, actually, actually, I disagree. I think Mac did. It was uh, Benson needed a night off. All of this has been 
very, very, it's been a lot for him. Mm -hmm. I totally get that. Mm -hmm. As our civilian character introduced into this wacky world, I can totally get that everything that he's seen so far might have just taken a bit of a toll. Sure. But then as the conversation with Mac goes and the possibility of Yo-Yo specifically feeling that Benson wasn't doing his job at 100%, the I need a night off to possibly pull the ripcord, because I, I think if had he been able to have a night off, he would not have come back. I think so. He would have gone, it was like, no, this is just too much for me. I, I'm done completely. But being accused of not being at his level best, I think kind of lit a fire under him to prove something and maybe it was just to prove something to Mac. Maybe it was something to prove something to Yo-Yo. Hopefully it was something to prove something to himself. And I think that's why he, he got insulted. Mm. He, and, and you got to think, a very intelligent man like that, when you insult his ability to do his job, I can totally see why he did a 180 and said, you know what, I got to get back to work. Enoch's turn. And where do we go from here? To mirror your comments, Nick, I love it that we get Enoch delivered as the mustache-twirling evil villain. But there is no twirling evil mustache no, moment no, at no, all. No evil, no evil intended. Yeah. And again, this spins directly into what exactly is the long game that you and I and no one else inside the audience could possibly concoct mm -hmm. because we don't have enough information or, or where for all. And we to, still to don't understand the, the the whole existence of a Chronicom. Right. I mean, it could be as simple as, okay, so Enoch is choosing to help his people over Fitz and the other agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that he knows because it's his people. His, his world is gone. These are the last of his, his race, and he wants to do everything he can to help them. That can be just the baseline right there, and we can leave it at that. Or there could be more. Does Enoch actually believe that Fitz can create time travel? Because the other ones do. The other Chronicoms are now counting on Leopold Fitz to fix their problem. With time travel. With time travel. Right. And where's again, the DeLorean? We, right. Yeah. <laughs> where, where, where's our TARDIS? You know, <laughs> how are we going to travel through time? <laughs> I think that, and, and, and I'm, I'm giving the writers credit here, I think that there will be layers to Enoch's thinking. I agree. Totally agree. I, I I believe that once we get to a certain point, that it'll it'll reveal itself that there has been a plan. Enoch has had a plan going. It's just okay, certain things have to be in place in certain in certain areas before the plan can can go. It's like mousetrap. You gotta build all that wacky crap. Before you can mm. flip the switch and let the little silver ball start doing its thing well and let the trap fall. That's very well said. Tethering the Yo-Yo Benson scene back to the past, explaining it with Sarge and May. This was great. It's time to go back to the original monolith that the team found. I'm absolutely excited for what is to come because I love it when they tether things like that that is inside of a previous season that had nothing to do or any waft of anything of what we're talking about. Yeah. I love stuff like that because, I, again, it's, it's where the writers go, 
how do we take tethers and pieces of what's happened in the past episodes and help tile this together with the connective tissue that not only makes sense but makes the audience engaged? And this is it. This is it. There's no question in my yeah. mind that at some point in a, in a writer's room or while they were out to lunch or something, somebody goes, hey, I got an idea. And this is it. And this is another grand idea that I love. It's like going back to the original 084. I remember the, instantly when they started talking about the 084s. And I'm like, 084s, man, that's really cool. What is that? What are they going to do with that? Yeah. Well, guess what? <laughs> Here we go again. And, and I love that. It's also an, a great way of, of, yet again, another exposition dump from Sarge. Because totally. now we're learning about the creatures from Sarge, while at the same time we're learning what Benton is discovering from the autopsy. Yeah, Benton's discoveries leads him back to these monoliths, which I never thought we were going to talk about ever again. I didn't either. I After it, they were destroyed last season, I was, I was like, all right, well, that was it. I thought it was a semi-MacGuffin that yeah. we'll never visit. Well, I mean, there's still one that we have no idea what it did, but... It's now the, we're back on that trail again. It's the baked potato monolith. Yeah. I know exactly what it does. <laughs> right. It holds butter and sour cream very well. <laughs> Don't forget the chives. <laughs> the chives. The chives. The, the chives. So the, the fact that we get to go back and revisit concepts from the, the season, way, I mean, season three, man, season three, going way back to season three, we're, we're revisiting the monoliths. Yeah. I think the other thing I wanted to make sure we focus on inside of this particular scene is that the problem is delivered by Benson and the autopsy scene. And then the answer to what you need to know about what's delivered is given to us by two completely different characters right. that are thousands of miles away. Yep, and it's yep, awesome. Yep. It's absolutely awesome. They are a Shrike Hunter squad. Very interesting. Hmm. And so they are a team that has been dispatched, this time to Earth, to hunt for Shrikes, which I'm assuming are the infected people that eventually crystalline and scream and walk like the exorcist girl. Right, right. And that's their job, period, paragraph. And they happen to have stopped on Earth to dispatch with some Shrike. And I love being able to boil it down like that because it makes it very, very simple and plain that there's an extracurricular element in that one of them looks exactly like Phil Coulson. And that's the question mark. Yeah. And it doesn't have to go any further than that. I like that. Not only do we learn what our, I guess, antag main antagonist, unearthly antagonist <laughs> is, but we also start getting some answers about Sarge himself. Mm -hmm. That he's hundreds of years old. He's been to countless planets now my question is is that is it planets or worlds i think worlds is probably more appropriate because if you say worlds then it doesn't necessarily have to be within your own universe mm -hmm. and i still want to hold on to the 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 concept of a multiverse mm -hmm. that he is a doppelganger from another reality but how is he able to live so long and, and i mean and on top of that are, is anything that he's saying actually true, or do it, does he just believe it? Yeah. I mean, is it? Can we? Are we going the Logan route with implanted memories? Yeah. You know, is he augmented in some way? I mean, we've already seen that some of his other crew have had cybernetic implants and things like that. Lord knows what Jocko is, mm -hmm. except a towering mountain of a man. Mm -hmm. 
that that needs auxiliary uh, atmosphere blah yeah 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 yeah. so uh so the mystery even though we're getting answers there's still more questions coming up and i love the fact we're all it's episode five we should still be asking more questions patchaquitic it's coming and sarge and crew are eager to stop it this is very interesting that it eventually ties to something that's from the Incas is also very interesting. Yes. Because if you remember, I don't remember specifically where the first 084 was found, but I do remember that it was like an Incan temple or something. Mm. And so, again, the connective tissue that gets built based on a word that none of us have heard, maybe not ever, I'm certain that in some class at some point, this city and or town is referred to, and that's why I got dug up someplace. We need a really cool Incan town. Fine. Let's go find one. Oh, here we go. It's Pachaquitic. Awesome. Cool. And so here it is. And now the storytelling will once again begin grabbing from what was into what is to provide us a better picture. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I love it. Something else I wanted to also talk about here is that we just got done with what is probably Marvel's largest platform and presentation for one character. And for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about Captain Marvel. I'm not talking about and the death of Tony Stark. I'm talking about Thanos. And while I know that they're not going to take and make Pachaquitic Thanos, but the more and more they started talking about this one being that's coming and the scourge and that worlds disappear, that's when my brain started going, wait a second. Have they not only done the rope-a-dope, they've been able to insert that world just disappeared overnight, and somehow they're going to tie the storytelling together. Now, I think that's out the window because they're talking about something that's coming. Right. But wouldn't it have been cool if the world disappearance and destruction that we're talking about here was the Chronicom's perception that their world is now gone, but their world's not gone because there's still some Chronicoms left. Mm-hmm. And what they take from that is the aftermath of the snapping, which they've never experienced. Ah, now I, I that would have been cool. That would have been very cool had this show been allowed to know that that was going to happen and was going to be a thing during this season. Yeah, in the quote-unquote timeline of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. Sadly. It's just wishful thinking right? because we know that that's not the case. Right, but I wanted to make sure that we just inserted that here because, I, I'm seriously, I again, if I'm the writers and I go, you know, it would be really cool if somehow we could tether this together. Why don't we write a parallel storyline that refers to one thing that's coming and the destruction of worlds and well, the disappearance of this and blah. You know, since you've brought this up <laughs> and, and I'm going to insert this here myself, this was something that I've I've been... It's been stewing in my my head every time I watch an episode. I'm like, why did, couldn't we just do some reshoots? I, I'm And I know reshoots cost money, but you grab a couple of characters for a week and you do a handful of scenes that can be easily inserted a couple of seconds to a couple of minutes long in certain episodes throughout this season to tie it in to the snapping and things like that. Again, I understand. It's money. Time and money. But it's also Disney. 
they've got all the money and time in the world mm-hmm. because they own the Infinity Gauntlet. Right. For them to still, I'm still, I am still very hurt mm-hmm. that their television division was just literally just kept in the dark. Oh, you don't need to know that. You don't need to. Yeah, you need to know. They need to know that mm-hmm. because it's part. It's supposed to be all connected. Rant over. Deep breath. <laughs> Screw you, Disney. <laughs> the bottom line, though, is that as we started getting deeper into this episode, and they start talking about these ominous machinations that are that await not only our team but every character inside this quote universe, I'm like, wow, that would have been a that would have been a very interesting platform and a really interesting platform if at some point in the writers room they go, yeah, let's write that shit parallel. That's cool. And then you go to Disney and you go, hey. I just wanted you to know, and, and I mean, if if you could tie it together with some creative editing, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you, right? Exactly. Why? Why wouldn't you? Gemma jumps in the middle. I love this, and I think everybody can remember when I was not a giant fan of Gemma, mm-hmm. but when they write her compellingly like this, I'm just such a fan. I love it when she jumps into the middle of a piece that doesn't make much sense. And she's doing it not for the value of the one, but for the good of everyone. Yeah, it, it's it's such a great move, and it makes her a terribly compelling character that it is impossible to hate. To go to your comment about how you used to not be a big fan of hers, it all goes to the character development of all of these characters. Great. There are certain characters in season one where you go like, "Wow, they're very." just two-dimensional paper thin yeah. well yeah because we haven't got to know them Who the hell yet. are they right mm-hmm. and we've they, they've gone through so many different adventures yeah. and life experience to where i mean even mac we've wow okay so we've got the big strong guy and oh they they've given him the the mechanic <laughs> ability too is like all right cool Great work. and Great look work. at him now yeah he is the director yeah. of shield yeah it's one of those things that I love, a long-running show. When it's written well, you get yeah. that great character development. Yeah. Now, to go to this point, really, when you think about it, it's it's the only course to where everything works out. It's like, okay, you want to use me and my friends to make Fitz do something. No, I'm not having that. You can take me, but let my friends go. I will I will do whatever you want me to do to get Fitz to do your your crazy time travel scheme. Let my friends go. Funny thing is, is that during the rewatch, when I came into the studio this morning, you stopped at that point and you were like, I, I, I get it and it's great, but if I was the bad guys, pew, 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 you just <laughs> shoot down everybody. With that effective sound effect, that's true. <laughs> and, and you just shoot it's everybody. Murder anyway. Right, right, right exactly. Yes. And and I do agree with you. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it does harken back to the whole, why toss them when you just kill them? Yeah. But again, we don't want all of our characters to die. Right. And, uh, so, I, I, again, yeah. I bring it up because it was funny, but it does work out. And they are Chronicoms, so it's more of the logical type of a thing. Yeah. I, I don't want to hearken them to Vulcans and androids, mm-hmm. but it is the logical move. It's like, okay, well, we don't have to worry about starting anything. Because they've already proven, with Daisy, they're formidable. Mm-hmm. They could destroy the ship. They could destroy other ships. So... The path of least resistance is Gemma giving herself up, them taking her and just letting everybody else go. Because, well, we really don't need these guys. We just need Gemma Simmons to get Leopold Fitz to do what we want. 
So now it's going to be this whole new dynamic moving forward where the show is concerned because now characters are showing back up with other characters and we're going to exchange information. I'm just really excited where yeah. the, the the season is going to go. From as well as the nature of there being some of them missing. Mm, and that yes. is that is instantly what I felt. And when I see Mac go, wait a minute, where's Fitz and Simmons? It, again, that, that spectacular glow that this show emits when it has moments like that is just tremendous. It's really, really good. May begins digging from within. This is another pinnacle May moment. Mm. of her character of this entire season guaranteed where she's not only being prodded by Snowflake, the character that everyone loves to hate, <laughs> <laughs> but she's she's bound and she instantly gets a leg up on Snowflake, yeah. ends up taking out Snowflake, and then is able to free herself. And then real close quarters combat. We just got done talking for six to eight minutes about a great scene that had great fight choreography inside of this show. Let's pause a moment again to talk yeah. about the great close quarter combat that we see inside of a freaking truck. This is even more close quarters. <laughs> it's, it's this a, is one of those situations to where most of what was done was done by the actors. Yeah. There, there were a handful of times where certain shots... Somebody could have been a stunt double, but most of that is straight on looking at Sarge and May, and it ha it had to be them doing all of those moves. Yeah. And and it was spectacular. Yes, I, I, we can sit here and go another six and eight minutes talking about how awesome it was <laughs> and the angles and blah. It's just awesome. Mm. It is awesome, and when they're when they're able to take a piece of storytelling that is absolutely one hundred percent million dollar physical. Mm and help paint the picture of the storytelling that's going on, boom, a giant benefit for this episode. <laughs> Tying back to the first monolith. We've talked a little bit about this grazingly inside of the yeah. episode here, but this is the all-in Benson moment that right. absolutely saves whatever negative semblance of character I might have been getting previously. Mm -hmm. And I love it. I love it when any of our characters go look grab chips and everything goes into the center of the table and this is absolutely his moment yeah yeah i i think the converse especially the conversation with yo-yo knowing that yo-yo has reservations about him and then the conversation during the autopsy mm -hmm. i think there's a i don't want to call it a mutual respect but there's an understanding now that that's well said sure you've been doing this for a while not only that you have powers yeah i'm just a guy I'm a regular guy. I'm smart. I'm really smart, but I'm just a man. And you've thrown me into this stuff. I think they have they now have an understanding, and I think where Benson is concerned, it's not necessarily trying to prove himself to anybody else. It's proving that he can do this job to himself, mm -hmm. and that's why he's going all in. Yeah. That's why he wants to turn over every stone and solve this mystery. For that for that kind of a character trait in somebody that we've only had five episodes with, and really all we know is I mean, he's super smart, connections to May's past, dead husband, so he's a drunk now, and doesn't like sci-fi voodoo hoodoo crap. Well, now we're building on that character. Yeah. 
and yeah. he's becoming a part of this team. And I, I can't wait to see what the next episode brings where Benson is concerned. A welcome home and a realization. Again, we've already kind of referred to this a little bit, but it's great to see vast majority of the team return home yeah, and the homecoming moments that you have. And then the realization that Fitz and Simmons are missing and what that could mean for the episode, except insert the commercial break. Right. Well, yeah. And it's, it's terribly effective. It's perfect. It, it, it is the perfect last page or so of a comic book. So oh, yeah, those of yeah, you that, definitely. Those of you that have gone, oh, it's too spacey for me. Guys, it's still a comic book. They are they weave every single bit of this show as a comic book. It just may not be your particular flavor of comic book. But if you're interested in the entirety of what the story is telling, you should definitely be imbibing. That last page of a comic book is supposed to be designed to get you to buy the next issue of the comic book when it comes out. Right. And this is a perfect example of that. It's it's a reunion. We have most of our characters coming home, and we get this nice moment where we can celebrate, yay, and then, oh, where's Gemma and Fitz? So we've got that problem to still deal with. And then uh, the other agent comes in, hey, Agent Mays, got him, we finally got him. And Daisy's like, got who? Oh, well, you need to be filled in on a lot, little girl. Yeah, and any time that the audience can be made to want to now deliver the information to a character (laughs) that asks a question... That's brilliant. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant, and it's all showcased here. I remember thinking that when, when we finished out this episode, and then it went to the push to the next episode. Nick loves to call this the stinger at mm. the, end of, at the yeah. end of episodes, and he's not wrong. This one is spectacular, though. We're going to talk more about that as we get further into the dossiers for this, for this episode. But this, is, this one is just perfect. It is the last page of a comic book. That when you finish it, you get to the bottom of the page, you finish reading the talkie bubble, and you go, son of a bitch. Right. You've yes. got to be kidding me. And you want the next one. I've thought this several times while I've been watching this this episode just today. And anybody that is able to watch and be watching this series contiguously has such a great watch coming. Mm, yeah. Can you imagine finishing out any of the last five episodes... And then going, okay, and hit play. Or waiting your eight seconds until the autoplay goes. Right. That's tremendous. And I can't wait for those of you that are listening to our podcast to interact with us after you've done that. Because I want to hear from you. You can interact with us by going over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. And tell us about your adventure watching this show back to back. You know, Nick, the wind's gotten quite brisk. I love hanging here in my hammock. Would you pass me another glass of wine as we push to break? Not a problem, Mike. You know, the idea of recording this episode of our podcast on a sandy beach was pure genius. Absolute genius on your part. Oh, well said. We'll be right back. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. 
Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. For most, Friday the 13th means Jason Voorhees. What a lot of people don't know, however, is that there was another Friday the 13th, the television series. Join your podcast hosts, Mike and Nick, as they review the search for cursed antique goods during a perspective review of Friday the 13th, the series. It's the Curious Goods Podcast. Check it out now at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Everyone, welcome back to the incredibly relaxed Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, our detailed breakdown and always educational review of Season 6, Episode 5, The Other Thing. I still have sand in my crack. Every time we come back from break, it's time to open our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers are where Nick and I focus on either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element inside the episode, or something else that tripped our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what do you got? Very simple, very straightforward. My S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is filled to the brim with Ming-Na Wei. Mm, Because of her beautiful acting performance in this episode. Dude. We see soft... Loving May, we see angry, hurt, betrayed. I mean, she she goes through all of the emotions in this episode, all while still trying to keep the eye on the prize, gather information, subdue the enemy. But there are moments where you can actually tell that it is physically and emotionally painful to be talking to Sarge. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. he even uses it as a tool, as a tool a to tool. to twist Absolutely. the knife on her. Absolutely. And sometimes she lets out that you can see the pain sometimes, but then other times she's stone cold May. Yeah. And the fact that we can now almost expect May to have an emotional response like this now, go back five seasons, 
There's no emotion in May. No. She mm-hmm. it's it's the Calvary. Mm-hmm. She does not show emotion. Yeah. Now here we are. And that goes to great writing, but it also cannot be handled, cannot be delivered without the superb acting skills of Ming Na Wei. Yeah. And your your comment specifically, I, I think we got sidetracked on it, but when I was referring to The Shield previously, mm. that's exactly what I'm referring to. In that, inside of that episode of The Shield, Clark Gregg's character is instantly manipulative, but matter-of-factly so. Yeah. In that there's a couple of times, either when he's interacting with his wife, which he essentially forbids forever after that, where he just essentially says, look, I did it. There's nothing left for me. Please don't contact me. I will not be accepting your your request for to see me. Yeah. Nothing and goodbye. And that's it. And it's dry and it's cut and it's done. And it's in that case, it's not a manipulation tool, but it is a purpose to a means for him. Period. Paragraph. Yeah. And so you see a lot of that inside of the the scene that you're referring to, and I totally agree that uh, Mina Way inside of this episode spectacular. Just incredibly good. My dossier for this episode is incredibly small, but probably as impactful. My S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is Fitz yelling at Enoch at the end of the episode. It only happens for an instant, but again, from another character that I had absolutely no use for Right, right. in the very first couple of seasons of this show, he's incredibly passionate. Mm-hmm. And he's incredibly gifted and talented. And I don't, I, I realize he's a fictional character, but I recognize <laughs> a lot of his passion, especially his explosive nature, to a lot of the things that I do. Mm. I, I, I know that I, I do fly off the handle often, but it's not because I don't care. It's because there's so much invested in the things that I do. Right. And especially when people don't either recognize it or don't care that I'm taking the time to really deposit some really excellent stuff. Well, that that injures me, and I want people to know it. Right. Well, yeah. Well, it's exactly what you get here from from Fitz inside of this closing stinger. Again, it's an instant. It's not it's not some soliloquy at all. It's just a moment. But he's so passionate, and he instantly engages everything that's going on in the camera that you pay attention to nothing except the the squelching echo of him screaming a couple of words. I think maybe one word. At Enoch at the end of this episode, and it is so passion-filled. I think the word injured describes Fitz perfectly in this small, less than a minute maybe scene. Yeah. The fact that not only has Enoch betrayed him, but used personal knowledge of of Fitz's life, but their friendship used personal knowledge... To get the upper hand, to force Fitz to do what his people want him to do. Right. And now both he and Simmons are imperiled yeah. because of what he knows. Because of him. And and again, that the, the passion of it, just an incredibly quick instant. I, I absolutely love that. And it's not that I didn't love everything else about the show up until that point. That struck me. Mm-hmm. That struck me. And that is my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. That's where we ask you guys, what's inside your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier? Let us know by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Ah, the rating inside of our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. A dead but still awesome, shockingly brazen, 
crystalline entity laying on the floor with giant crystals poking out of it with stretched limbs everywhere. A one is on the bottom of the scale. Every single episode of Marvels and Humans. Ooh, bird. Ooh. Everything starts at seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? As I finish getting rid of all of the sand caught in all of my <laughs> creases and crevices. Oh, oh, thank you. Oh, that's what happens when you're on a beach. You get sand everywhere. I can only say one thing. This show has a bar of quality that very rarely ever wavers. I am usually taken by surprise if quality goes down at all. I know last episode, quality went down slightly simply because of the stinger of that episode. I am glad to say that from beginning to end, this episode met that bar of quality and then some. My rating for this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's a 10. We're back to a 10. The scale has been broken for many seasons. <laughs> right. So, uh, again, 10. What, what, what else can you say about this yeah. episode? There's, there's so much quality that rains down inside of almost every single moment that there is something on screen inside of this show right now that I, I don't remember another show that delivered the quality and diversity that this does. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know another show. It's been a while. It's been a while. There's yeah. there's a handful of shows that I could list. I'm not gonna. Oh gosh, thanks. <laughs> well, the Shield. I, the Shield was an excellent show. You're absolutely right. And I, almost every episode of every season was high quality. Yeah. Some of them would waver a little bit depending on what character you're focusing mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. because they didn't develop all of their characters that, that's properly. Fair. That's fair. But here. We've de- we've got well developed characters. You, you, what's funny too is that I love that you're mentioning the shield again. By the way, we'll be sure to link to it in the show notes so you guys can sit and watch it and waste all kinds of time watching it. Uh, the bottom line though is that that was also a shorter episodic series, so that it absolutely matches up with this. Yeah. And that it's only this is going to be 13 episodes, and the shield was typically 10. Mm-hmm. But the compression, I think, always almost always helps. Yeah, definitely. Because you have to get the stories told. There's no there's no time to lollygag. Mm-hmm. And what we don't have going on inside of this show right now is zero lollygagging. Nope, no lollygagging at all. There's nothing being shown for showing something's sake. We're not stretching things out. We're no. not padding for time. Mm-hmm. Everything matters. Yeah, and again, to go back to Captain Marvel. It, it is exactly what made that movie not great, mm-hmm. which is, okay, it's time to extend hold on her, or it's time to have another scene that doesn't really mean anything for something. And more. let me just insert something really quick, just in case people want to start getting on that hate mail. Captain Marvel's lack of quality has nothing to do with the fact that it's based around a female character. I got news for you. You flip genders, and Captain Marvel is all of a sudden a man... The story is still subpar. Yeah. But the problem is is that with our society today, everybody wants to hate on the fact, oh, well, you didn't like it because it's a woman. No, I didn't like it because it was bad storytelling. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that it was a female superhero. I love female superheroes. I have a shit ton of comic books at home filled with female superheroes. Mm-hmm. So it has nothing to do with that. It's it's about quality, people. So what you're saying is that if Brie Larson's boobs were bigger, then you would have loved Captain Marvel. <laughs> <Arthur. laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what I'm that's saying. That's exactly what he was saying. Yeah, her boobs had to be bigger. Then it would be a better story. In any case, we want to know what you think. Go over to our Facebook presence. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Chime in on one of the threads that's there or start your own and let us know what you ranked this episode. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash Shield Podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news, the arrival of our newest reviews and more. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication. Okay, that uh, brief interlude brief of interlude Nick is awesome. awesome. Please delete all of Nick is awesome. Oh, no, oh. that's going to be the stinger for the this stinger. episode. Nick, you're so awesome. You're so cool, Brewster. <laughs>